0: Yo,
1: dude, you can't have a, you can't be eating chips. <laughs> man, that's dude, a you're...
0: glorious sound, isn't it? No, hey, no, man. it's not. Have you heard worship leaders before sing? Sounds way better. Hey, you know that uh, that show that comes around It's Shin Yun or something that that. we had a traveling show. The traveling show. Uh-huh. I know somebody that went to one of those shows uh-huh. and they got really frustrated that somebody was eating popcorn and rustling the bag behind them when the show was going on. Mm-hmm. Really? So they went outside and they complained. And they found out Shin Yu brings their own caterers. They brought the popcorn. Mm. So you didn't know that, did you? Shin On Yu. <laughs> yeah, they were upset. Wow. Why would you have popcorn during the Shen Yu show? I the don't Shen know Yun what the wanted. Shen Yun show is about. I've never gone either. I don't know either. I bet you get those things in the mail. Oh, yeah. I've seen the advertising before. Shin Yu. Have you ever
2: seen the advertising for it? No, I don't have television.
0: Oh, that's our guest
1: voice. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to have some fun today. I'm super, super excited. Our guest today has... No television. He doesn't have television, so he has seen none of my stuff before. (laughs) Anyway, our guest today... I I I have a
2: computer, though. Got a computer. That's that's right.
1: So super excited. Our guest today is going to take you for a ride of how do you go from really a, a multimillionaire to suddenly linking lives with a random homeless person and then really changing the face of how homeless people are helped pretty doggone significant so much so there's been a best-selling book about this scenario and a movie as well the name of the movie we got to find out on the other side of this okay
3: i love this podcast you'll be laughing out loud and all of a sudden boom something that can really help you drops in your lap
1: I like it because I unexpectedly learn about life. It is
0: so funny. I get to laugh and learn about life at the same time.
3: I like listening to Funny How Life Works with the car of my parents. <laughs>
0: with the car in my parents? <laughs> okay. Hey, Andy, who's the non-sponsor sponsor for today? Yes, so, are we going to talk about the non-sponsor sponsor?
3: So the non-sponsor sponsor for today is... <laughs> Kuber, Kuber. <laughs> same kind of different as Me Foundation.
1: Wow, same kind of different as Me Foundation. Wow. Dude, you just messed oh, up yeah. and told people what the book is about. Well, wait, I, oh, no. that's their guest. That yes, our, it's oh, our yes. guest. Mm. But the same the kind author, of different Me Foundation. Creator. That's
2: who I work for.
1: <laughs> okay, if you want to say that way for tax purposes, But that's I work
3: fine. for the non-sponsor sponsor <laughs> non-paid <laughs> position <laughs> as the leader and that president. That is awesome. Yes. Our but the guest- same kind of different Media foundation sheds light on ongoing struggles of homeless people that they face on a daily basis. Yes,
1: yeah, so our guest today, you want to do the intro? You want to do the whole intro? Sure.
0: Our guest today is Ron Hall.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for being here, Ron. Like yes. we've met before. You want to tell
1: them where we
2: met at? In a strip club.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's one that Pastor you were Kyle put together. <laughs> <at the strip> <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that was a couple episodes, Two episodes ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It wasn't Magic Mike. <laughs> right. It was Michael without the magic, because that's from the devil. So, um. Also, can't forget my co-host, Pastor Kyle, who is uh the pastor of Sent Church. That's S-E-N-T. Like, go somewhere, get it done, move. Great dude. If you ever get a chance to watch any of his sermons online, by all means, choose wisely. (laughs) (laughs) No, he brings it, like, for real. Super excited. I've been checking him out lately. Super excited about that. And, of course, we got Andy in the house. But more importantly, our guest, Mr. Ron Hall, like, your story is tremendous. Like, where do you normally start when you tell people? Like, even before we got on air, you were telling us about uh, you were telling us about Denver and his experience in prison. So for those who don't know, let me set it up for you. Yeah. Um. Well, no, no, you set it up. You hear, why would I set it up? Like, you explain to them wherever you well, want to start at.
2: Uh, I was a low-down, dirty, and bad international art dealer cheating on my wife. That's where I start.
1: Wow. Man, can you recognize, can you, mm-hmm. does any of this resonate with anybody? <laughs> Andy, I'm looking at you. Don't raise any hands. That's wow. Um, Lowdown. Dirty, you said dirty, good for nothing, scoundrel. Bad, bad, yeah. Low cheater, life, adult cheater, adult, adulterer, yeah, yeah. just racist. I'm just going to add some more stuff in there if I want you <laughs> <laughs> to. <Just add more. laughs> wow. Drug, I mean, art dealer.
2: Uh, art dealer. International, traveled the world, and uh Buying and selling major works of art that you see in museums. And and I was, uh, I guess I was so successful, I was uh, thinking that I owed myself some uh, pleasures that I, uh, Uh. so I I ended up cheating on my wife, who uh, incidentally was a God chaser. So uh, she and I had taken different paths in life. Obviously,
1: if she's chasing the Lord, yes. She was chasing the Lord,
2: <laughs> and I was chasing money. Mm-hmm. So okay. we were living purpose-driven lives, but our purposes were That's totally good. different. You know, I was chasing the almighty dollar, and she mm-hmm. was chasing the almighty God. Wow. And so our paths wow. took a, a very, very uh, different uh, direction. And at one point, so then... I realized uh, I was about to get busted because I had confessed to my lawyer that I was I was uh, having an affair and was uh, kind of checking out what my options were as because uh, I was going to have to come clean. You told soon. your lawyer that. I told my lawyer, who told his wife. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. No, well, my lawyer, had he said, well, it's interesting. I'd been kind of cheating on my wife, too. uh, Wow. So he got busted. Birds (laughs) of a feather. That's right. So then he told his wife. His wife then came to me and said, if you don't tell Debbie, I am. So she forced my hand to go She said it like the Lord. She's like, if you don't tell Debbie,
1: (laughs) I am. She said
2: it like (laughs) this. I am. (laughs) I am the great I am. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So uh, I told Debbie, and uh, the amazing part of the story is that uh, after she th- threw a coffee it. cup at my head and wow. uh, and you know it beat me uh, with some bare knuckle fighting, so I uh, just stood there and took it. And then she went to her room and came back and she said, "Okay, me too. I'm going to forgive you." Oh. Mm. She said, but here. Wow. She said, I want to know her name. She said, I want to know her name. So I gave her a name. She said, do you have her phone number? I gave her my cell phone. And she called her, and she said, this is uh, Debbie. I'm Ron's wife. And I want you to know that if I had been the wife that Ron had needed, then uh, he would have never been with you. Okay. Whoa. Uh, so she okay. said, I'm going to own my part of this. Mm. Goodness uh, But I'm going to tell you that uh, if – that I, if i do my job as a wife i don't think you will ever hear from my husband again okay wow and so she hung yeah. up the phone she said and i forgive you for what you've done because you know ron's a very was was a great husband and i'm sure that that's what you were looking for stop so, no ain't no yeah. so we yeah. got to camp for it's a second just, wow <laughs> That is,
1: wait, wait ron i need you to like man that is beast mode your wife for her to be able to dissect a scenario that fast, go away, hear mm-hmm. from God and then come back with that. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Like think about like even the, the, the mistress, uh, what's her name? Tamika, whatever. Um, <laughs> even the mistress, like what can she do? Like she didn't say a word, like there's nothing. Like what I'm saying is even after the conversation, there's like she's frozen, meaning she just got ministered to mm-hmm. when she was in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. That is doggone brilliant.
0: I, I, I want to go back. You you had money, you had yeah. housing. Yeah, uh, you had some something success. that
3: people don't quite understand about art dealing, Ron. What was the highest hey, art man. that you ever sold? Wait, wait, wait! Stop! Oh, Stop! <laughs> the, the
1: wife. <laughs> yes, we're but, to I, right. I'm just, we go
0: back. I was I was getting to why obviously something. Why'd you cheat in the first place? I mean, you had worldly, but it didn't satisfy. I was I was a man operating outside
2: the godly man that I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Right, I was a worldly man who felt felt I deserved that because my wife had been had fallen in love with Jesus, and and uh, Jesus was getting all her
0: attention. So, so when she said so I haven't been she- the wife that I'm supposed to be, yeah, did that meaning
2: that she wasn't being intimate with me. Oh,
1: bombchikabombbomb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Which is probably just a result of something that you had, you weren't really there for her anyway. You traveling around, yeah. doing the stoves, probably back and
2: forth. So, well, th- I wasn't tithing. <laughs> yeah, let's just say. Actually, that. I was kind of tithing. I was giving. I, I didn't really tithe. I don't think there's a kind of tithe. I gave Is a bonus. Bad. Let's check with the <laughs> Pastor. Used to, real did, quick. You tipped God? Yeah, I he, tipped him. Did wow! You, did you, did you? I tipped him good though, did but it, ha- it only happened if I made money, not if I didn't make money. So I, <laughs> Ooh, he didn't get him something every day or wow. every month, you know, every so, week.
1: So to Andy's question, what, what was the highest? What, what was a what's a nice like when people, when you say art? Like I I just recently picked up something at Ross. You did, yeah. So you're probably talking about something a little more expensive. You probably at Kirkland. I did or something. too.
2: It was uh, Calvin Klein underwear, three pair for four dollars. <laughs> See, so what's the
0: most expensive art piece that you dealt? Uh,
2: in excess of twenty million, thirty okay. million. I've Good. done to several. Private, I've done.
0: I've done a lot of those to a museum or to a private buyer. Uh, I've done both museums, okay. privates, all over the world. So there are people if, in this world. That in was... fact,
2: before I walked in this room, mm-hmm. uh, I was on the phone. Japan, okay. Client in Japan. Uh, we're in the process right now of trying to buy a $20 million Claude Monet painting. Okay. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm pr- in the process of trying to sell a $20 million Frida Kahlo painting to a museum in Japan. Okay. Wow, right. that
1: is so All cool, right. man. Hey, hey if, if, they, if the deal don't go through, let me know.
0: <laughs> what? Because I'm in my living room. I got this, I got this wall. Yeah, i I'm, I'll I'll with, need I'm, some humor. Don't, know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with the wall in my living room, so I might yeah. pick that up. But for, for a listener's perspective, we think about real estate transactions, we know the agent gets like 6% mm-hmm. out, in the best case scenario, maybe 7%. What does an art dealer get in terms of percentage of sale on a typical sale like that.
2: Well, the art dealer is the last one yep, to that's get paid, paid. Mm-hmm. and uh, then they negotiate everything they can out of you. And so you always want it to go through, you know, it's people think you get a 10% commission. You start asking for a 10% commission. And then sometimes you end up maybe with a 1% commission. Sure. Hey okay. man, let's go but back, still back to the white, it. Let's yeah, go back yeah.
1: to the one Like that was pretty doggone amazing. Like, yeah. so, and let's tie in your question as well. So based off of who you are mm-hmm. at this point in your life, or at that point in your life, what percentage of your commission was your wife getting from you when you were out there selling, making all of this stuff? Like, what percentage of you? If she deserved well, 100
2: No, she didn't get it. We, it oh, when, no, no, not the money. I'm not talking about money. Or, or,
1: I'm talking about of you time, as a husband. Yeah. My time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you as a husband, your time, yeah. your attention, all of that stuff. At what what percentage was she getting of you? Let's say she deserved a hundred percent husband. You were giving her about what at that point, would you say, as a as a rotten scoundrel person?
0: About well, as about a real estate commission. Six yeah, percent. Yeah,
1: real estate commission yeah. went down to three <laughs> percent.
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> down to three. Yeah, for the wow. If just on Wait a second. <laughs> Last time I sold a house, it was six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, three, for you, agent, was, three for the seller's agent. Three for the buyer's astound, agent. Remember? He yeah. Was, yeah. Your wife has passed away now. She has. She okay. she went to heaven. At this point, though, when you got busted, how long had you all been married? Uh,
2: we've been married eighteen years. Okay, and then after that point. We, we lasted another 12 years after that wow. until she went to heaven. Okay. But the, the, the amazing Beautiful. thing, though, is that uh, uh, that same day after she hung up talking to my girlfriend, she looked at me and she said, all right, here's the deal.
3: Mm-mm-mm.
2: If you promise you will never do that again, I will forgive you and I'll never bring this up again. She said, This will be Christ like forgiveness. I'm going to throw your sin as far as the east is from the west. But then you have to agree that you will never do that again. Wait, uh, what happened? So, what did you say? What well, do you think? I said, I, I married another 12 years. <laughs> yeah, so, but is that wow. the point you would no. say
0: you surrender to Jesus? Is a well, holy moment? I in that surrendered
2: moment. to her. At that very moment, okay. I mm-hmm. surrendered to her, and I said, "This is true Christ-like forgiveness. Okay. This is what Jesus would do." Okay. So, were you a believer prior
1: to that? I moment? was, yeah. But oh, now yeah. you really are oh, I believer. I had my fire insurance it. before that. You know, yeah, I,
2: had, yeah. I I had been dunked, and I had uh, accepted Christ, and, mm-hmm. and I knew I knew the ten spiritual mm-hmm. laws, or five <laughs> of them, or whatever. I had them down pretty good, but I knew what I I, I okay. had accepted Christ as my savior. Okay, so yeah. let's let's fast Early. forward to
1: to your wife um,
2: has this dream. Is that a good place to go to next? That's the next spot. This is 10 years later. So she asked me not to do that again, and I didn't. And she said, The only thing I want you to do is be a faithful husband. And for the next 10 years, I was absolutely faithful. We put our marriage back together. We absolutely had the most beautiful marriage of anybody. And she never ratted me out. She didn't tell anybody. Wow. Bone
1: took a bone bone, too. On so, top of yeah, that, right? she, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
2: people were wondering, what in the world is going on with your marriage? They were wanting us to come counsel them because, mm-hmm. you know, you guys have such a beautiful marriage. Just wow. real
0: quick. Did she have people she processed with? Like you said, she never ratted you out, but did she, she, had, had, a, mentor she had a best friend. A best no, friend? No, she had a best friend. So she, she talked to her best friend. She had a prayer group yeah, okay, yeah, that she it, prayed with. Right this lady every day okay all right cool go
2: ahead so uh so she didn't even ask me to do another thing except be faithful and i was but uh as we put our lives back together then one day i mean we had we had acquired a a beautiful ranch we had ski houses we had all kinds of stuff and uh, uh i was still able to acquire things but i was just going on with my life being faithful and still being a businessman and we had this beautiful ranch where we shared time together and um So one night, uh, one morning, she woke me up, and she said, Ron, last night I had the most extraordinary dream about uh, a homeless man. She said, it's a a poor man who is wise, and by his wisdom, our city and our lives are going to be changed. And she said, and I saw his face in my dream. And uh, she said, it was like a verse in Ecclesiastes 9.15, where Solomon wrote, there was found in the city a certain poor man who was wise, and by his wisdom, he changed the city Yet no one knew his name. Wow! And she said, "Would you go with me to look for this? This is a really... I want to know if this dream is from God. I want to... I want to... I want to see." Wow! So man, that is crazy. And had she I had she dreams like that before? She ever? had one other okay, dream right. like that that had been a spiritual dream that, that came. It took ten years for it to become a reality. Okay, right. And uh And so I went with her that day instead of going to my ranch, which I was going to that day, or my art gallery. I had you know different places to go. I said, okay, let's go. So we loaded up and we went down, started driving the streets of Fort Worth, Texas, where we were living at the time. And we had just moved back to Fort Worth. We had been Mm -hmm. living Mm -hmm. in Dallas. So we'd only been in Fort Worth a few, maybe two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. And um, so we started driving and we didn't see anybody, this man of her dreams, so we saw a lot of other people <laughs> that we were driving slow and they thought we were uh, either trying to buy drugs mm-hmm. or, or trying to bust them. So, right. you know, we right. we looked yeah. very suspicious, you know, driving a very expensive either the car. Either police or your customers. Yeah, yeah, very slowly mm-hmm. in an area right. that was mm-hmm. populated mostly by uh, homeless and street people. Right. So um, we set, we volunteered that afternoon. We happened to drive by this old uh, Union Gospel Mission, which was just a rundown old uh, cinder block building building. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, uh, you know, a big chain link fence around it. And so we went in and started volunteering uh, to serve an evening meal. And she saw she, her idea was if we stay here long enough and my dream is real, the man of my dreams will come through here for a meal at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. She looking right over you though. She like, that ain't him. <laughs> <Yeah>. right,
2: right.
1: <laughs> he ain't the man of my dreams. I'm looking for somebody else. <laughs> exactly. Right.
2: So, uh, uh, We'd been there a couple of weeks serving an evening meal, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, the men were ch- exiting the chapel service. They uh, mm-hmm. had, in a homeless mission, uh, mostly the gospel missions. Of course, they have to listen to a gospel message before, before they get the a free eat. meal. Mm-hmm. So these guys know right. more about the Bible than most of us yeah, because right. they have to hear it three times a day if they're going to eat. Right. And so uh, they're coming out of the chapel, and then and another side door that had nothing, it was just kind of an exit door for the mission. This guy storms into the mission and starts screaming, I'm going to kill whoever done it. And he was this big guy with uh, no shoes, no shirt, and just some raggedy old unzipped breeches. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs and knocking the tar out of anybody that was there, I'm going to kill whoever done it. I'm going to kill whoever stole my shoes. And obviously he didn't have on any shoes. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so he is just tearing up the whole place and just beating the crap out of everybody there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm scared to death. I've never been so scared in my life because this is really not a place that I wanted to be. I was right. doing this for Debbie. This mm-hmm. is the first thing she had ever asked me to do since, right. uh, my, uh, infidelity, infidelity. Yeah. Yeah, you and gotta and that'd it. been 10 mm-hmm. years. I'd almost forgotten about it, but I really hadn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, I hit my knees not praying, just out of fear. I just hit my knees behind. I was behind the stainless steel serving counter, Mm -hmm. and uh, she's standing next to me. But, you know, in the stainless steel serving counter, they have holes back there where they keep pots and pans, Mm you know. And so – yeah, we were using all the pots and pans, so the holes were empty, so I could stick my head in one of them like an ostrich.
3: And so uh, <laughs>
2: I stuck my head in one of those holes just trying to protect my face because uh, I got knocked out in the golden gloves one time and smashed my nose. Yeah, right. yeah. And I never wanted to take another punch yeah. in the face, and I could feel the fight getting closer to me. And that was me. probably a black dude, too, who knocked you out. He was. <laughs> yeah, And absolutely. it was big. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. See, I got to protect my face. And he was I, angry. My, but my wife
0: can keep standing. Right.
2: He was angry. So anyway uh, – all of a sudden yeah, I'm, did I'm, you protect her at all at this
1: point where was she at
2: now why are you trying to knock me down again <laughs> never
1: mind you don't, to, you don't got a protect her. you're not the man well but you I know. did
2: I, yeah. you, I had a clarity of thought for a moment well I wonder what happened to Debbie <laughs> In the past tense, yes, it like, was because I'm already taking I wonder care whatever of myself. happened to her. <laughs> so crazy. I take my head out where I can see what's going on, and I see her that she's jumping up and down like a cheerleader on the sideline of a football game. She's still behind the stainless steel serving counter, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She said, That's him, that's him. And I look up and I said, That's who? And she said, That's the man in my dream. And by then, there were about 20 men engaged in the fight, and it was bloody pandemonium in the dining hall and I said which one and she said the one who threatened to kill everybody and then she looked at me I was still down on my knees and she pointed her finger at me and she said and Ron I believe I heard from God (laughs) <laughs> that you're supposed that to not you, be an ostrich That you're supposed to be his friend And find out if my dream is really from God Wow And I looked wow. up at her and I said But Debbie, I was not at that meeting you had with God No, if I'm going to be <laughs> friends with somebody who wants to kill everybody I need to go talk to God myself No, so, here's what you actually said
1: But Debbie, Debbie, Debbie I'm not supposed to be there, there, there Your head was, the in, the head was still in the sink This was well, the ultimate was, And so,
2: um, so I'm asking one of the other uh, homeless dudes is helping to serve, and I, by then I'm standing up, and I said, well, what's, who is that crazy man? Mm-hmm. He said, nobody knows his name. Wow. Mm. But most people call him Goodness either gracious. suicide because messing with him is the equivalent of committing suicide, and other people call wow. him the lion of the jungle because he's been on the streets longer than anybody can remember, and he rules the streets with fear and intimidation. Mufasa Mufasa And I said you He said you just need to stay away from him Because oh, wow. he, he'll hurt you Good. And I said thank gracious. you That is some really good advice Opposed He's to like, what my wife was telling me You was like that's from the Lord right there yeah. Stay away
1: from him But it wasn't I thought it
2: was Right. I was believing him over my wife But yeah. anyway that, that night um, I did have a little talk with God And though I didn't hear an audible voice I know that he told me that being friends with a homeless man is a small price to pay Mm, mm, mm. for the forgiveness that he and Debbie had shown me. Goodness. And so for Mm. the next day, I began a daily five-month pursuit uh, in search of this homeless man. I didn't have to search too far because I knew where he was. I could find him, but he would run from me and go hide, and I wasn't going to go in the bushes trying to get him out. Mm-hmm. So um, he we did this five month cat and mouse pursuit until I finally got him in my car.
0: That's another story. Wow! If that, so if people watch the movie or read the book. so the
1: name of the movie, I don't know if we said it or not, but let's go ahead and say it again because Andy kind of said it, but his voice yeah. was really high pitch when he said it. Same <laughs> kind of different as me. Same kind of different as me. I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Super powerful. Here's one issue I run into sometimes. Sometimes okay. I tell a story, and it's the same issue you have. You tell the story so good that the movie is the movie is pretty good, but you're a great storyteller as well. Like you're really great. Like, well, it's of course really you were high. there for I, most. I of it. I lived it. You lived it.
0: I've lived you it. You didn't see it all though, because your head was down in the sink. <laughs> but but <laughs> so powerful. The yeah. movie can't capture that five month cat and mouse as well as. No,
2: no, we that. don't yeah. even try to. The, we yeah. we compressed the movie into it, it was like. That's the next day, yeah. You know, the same day that yeah, we can find all him. that. Yeah, well, well, there he is just,
3: now the book. How many years in the best selling list? Three, uh, the he book said. was
2: the three and a half years on the New York Times best selling list. Mm-hmm. It was the number one New York Times bestseller. Yeah, uh, now we have the sequel called Working Our Way Home mm-hmm. that uh-huh. tells of uh, the rest of the story. Which, uh, you know, at some point I'll tell Be- you the rest of the because story because you
1: guys live together after this. We won't get into that right now, but okay. you guys. You guys lived together for 11, how long was it? 11
2: years. You and Denver, the the homeless man. They were roommates for 11 years. Is he still alive? No, he's in heaven with Debbie. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and a lure. And a lure. Okay, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. So, Ron, I remember a great phrase that Denver said to you when you were about to to uh, uh, get friends with him, That uh, the fishing, the catching. Oh, release. yeah. Well,
2: it took me five months to get him in the car, and uh, we go to breakfast what, what, what one What kind morning. of car you got, man? Is it really tall? Like, how does it take so long <laughs> to get up in the car? Well, no, I, just I, I was driving a big uh, dually pickup. <laughs> you know. uh, so uh, that was my ranch vehicle. and uh, But... Uh, so I, I I took him to breakfast one morning, and uh, we're sitting there, and uh, uh, this is the first time we'd ever been to set down together, mm-hmm. and, and it was it was kind of crazy. So he wasn't saying anything to me, and and I was trying to break the conversation. I said, "Well, I know your name's not suicide. Do you mind telling me your name?" And he said, "I don't tell nobody my name. It ain't nobody's business what my name is." And he said, "On the streets, it's better if you don't know somebody's name." Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, well, my name's Ron, uh, Ron Hall, in case you're interested. And so he thought about it a minute, and he said, okay, Denver, my name's Denver. I said, okay, nice to meet you, Denver. I said, uh, he said, what is it you want from me? He said, I've had no peace in my life since your skinny little wife showed up on the streets of Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> and I wow. said, man, I just want to be your friend. And that was a lie, actually. I didn't want to be his friend, but. Debbie mm-hmm. wanted me to be his friend, mm-hmm. and I was still trying to pay penance to Debbie and be his friend for mm-hmm. her to find out if her dream was really from God. And he looked at me, and he said, you won't be my friend? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, that's right. And he said, man, I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought, whoa! You looked looked a gift horse in the mouth. You don't know who I am. I'm a a millionaire, and uh, you are the man of my wife's dreams. So if she wants you to have some nice clothes, I can get you some clothes. I can get you a a car, a house. I can do anything in the world for you if my wife wants it because I can afford it. You're poor. I'm rich. You know, and you crazy, and, and I'm smart. It's so this way I mm-hmm. think. And you ain't got nothing to offer me, and yet you're going to be wanting to think about being my friend. <clears throat> That's
1: what I said to my co-host. Keep them-
2: going. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps eating these Cheetos over here. Yeah, man, you got to mute him now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so uh, the next day or so later, I uh, he's lived by a dumpster in the inner city of Fort Worth. So I see him by his dumpster, and I pull up my pickup. And, uh, so I, I said, you want to go get some coffee? He said, I said, yeah. He, so he got this, he was feeding the wild birds on the street. So he gets in my pickup and he starts beating on the dash of it with both fists, man, I wish you'd leave me alone. I ain't got no peace in my life with you guys. And I thought if I get you out of the car today, and I'm still alive, I'm going to leave you alone because you scare me, and I think you were sent to kill me. The man of my wife's dream is sent to kill me now because of— Yeah, he your replacement. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And because of my my sin in the past deserved that kind Mm. of punishment. But uh, so we get to Starbucks, and— I'm sitting there trying to explain to him who I am and my importance as an international art dealer, you know, to, to tell a man about art that never heard of Picasso didn't mean a lot to him. So Mm -hmm. he he had looked at me and he said, "Um, you through talking? I said, yeah. (laughs) That's
0: what I say to Michael a lot. Yeah. And (laughs) he
2: said, okay. He said, uh, I've been thinking a lot about what you asked me. I said, what did I ask you required any thought? Well, you asked me if I'd be your friend. And I thought, well, I sure did. So what do you think about that? He said, well, I'm tell you the truth. There's something about white folks that really bothers me, and it's got to do with fishing. I said, well, Denver, I'm a rancher and an art dealer, but I'm not a fisherman. I don't even want a rod and reel or a tackle box. I really don't know anything about fishing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He said, but I bet you can answer my question. I said, well, okay, so go ahead and ask. He said, okay. He said, I heard when you white folks go fishing, but y'all do this thing you call catch and release. I said, Well, of course we do. That's a sport, man. You don't get it? He said, No, man, I don't get that at all. Because back in Louisiana where I grew up on the plantation, we'd go out in the morning, we'd dig us a can full of worms, we'd cut us a cane pole, we'd sit on the riverbank all day. And when we finally got something on our line, we were proud of it. And we'd take it back and share it with the rest of the folk. He said, So if it occurred to me. That if you just a white man fishing for a friend, and you gonna catch and release, I ain't interested. I ain't got no desire to be your friend. Okay. And my mind flashed back to Debbie's dream of a poor man who was wise, Mm. because what he spoke to me at that moment was the wisest thing I'd ever heard on friendship. And he said, "If you fishing for a real friend, though, I'll be your
0: friend for life." Yeah. I wow. remember I remember that giving Michael so a talk powerful. when he was fishing for a co host. <laughs> occurred to me. Yep. and that co host
1: didn't he didn't hosts. accept and then I got you. <laughs> Just First catch of all, that is release. so powerful. That is really good. Like that is so, so powerful. It's you guys honest. remained to be friends for how much longer? After that but moment.
2: It, it was uh at, after that moment it was and uh, about twelve and a half years. So, no. That but, is
1: so powerful. And then, and then you guys from that point on, what what, what well, took place?
2: Well, for the next, so the next day, uh, you know, I went to sit down by him at uh, after our catch and release meeting. I went to sit by him the next morning. I said, "Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not going to catch and release." So I sat on the curb. I said, "I'm going to enroll in the University of Denver because I thought he was the smartest man at that point that I'd ever met, a man who had never been to school a day in his life." A uh, man who did not know how to read and write. He was sixty-five years old then. and did not know how to read and write. Never been to school a day in his life, cause he didn't. They didn't have colored schools on the plantation, so mm-hmm. he just had to work the fields, and and it uh, was never given the opportunity to go to school.
0: What, what year did you meet Denver? I just want to know. I met Denver
2: in 1998
0: okay but you you referred to the plantation
2: he was born I, in thirty seven yeah mm-hmm. and uh and lived on the plantation mm-hmm. was born on the plantation mm-hmm. and uh, his family were uh, not even sharecroppers they were just modern day slaves
0: yeah they, so they, they, a lot they, of listeners don't realize that in your lifetime yeah in this country, there were people living in those conditions. In
2: mm-hmm. houses with no electricity, running water, toilets, mm-hmm. anything like that, they just okay. lived in shacks. They were called shotgun shacks. Yeah, yep, uh, I've heard that. Time. And I went back to the fan plantation to to see all that back with him. But uh, anyway, I'm sitting next to on the curb, on a dangerous curb in the inner city of Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and cars passing by. And and, I, and we still even we, after we had the plan the meeting, the catch and release meeting we said we'd be friends. We still weren't friends. Right. Mm-hmm. We just barely knew each other. So I'm sitting there and, and to break the conversation with him because uh, he looked at me and I still thought he might kill me because mm-hmm. he was an angry dude. Mm-hmm. So he looked at me and I looked at him and I said, hey, man, what's it like to be homeless? Oh. Huh. And he looked at me okay. like a cow looking at a new gate. Mm. And he said, I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Wow, mm. I said, man, I've never been homeless. Live in a real nice house. He said, let me tell you something. Whether we's rich or whether we's poor or something in between, this earth ain't no final resting place. Mm. He says, so in a way, we all homeless. Oh, wow. Just working Good our way gracious. home. And that's why I named this book Working Our, working way, our, home. our way Home because he lived with me then till he went home. Mm. But then he said, I want to ask you something. He said, are you one of them Christians <laughs> and thinking that he, he might have seen a halo over my head because I was sitting on the <laughs> curb next to him. Yeah. I look up and I didn't see no halo. So mm-hmm. I said, yeah, why you think I'm down here helping? Uh, uh, he said, helping? Wait a minute. What do you think you, who do you think you're helping? You pay, you give a man a dollar on the street to put some spaghetti on his plate. You think you're helping him? You ain't helping nobody but yourself. Feel better about yourself because you probably ain't done nothing for nobody but yourself in a long time. He said, but let me tell you, you blessing us, but you ain't helping us. Because if you want to help us, you got to crawl down in the ditch here and stay with us till we're strong enough to crawl out on your back. And then you helped us. But don't be telling people you down here helping the homeless. You can tell them you blessed us, but don't tell them you're helping us. But that ain't what I want to talk about because you Christians really bother us, people here on the streets. And I said, mm, mm, what mm. is it about us that bothers you? He said, well, I want to know is, why is it that all you Christians worship one homeless man on Sunday then turn your back? Well, the first one you see on Monday. Oh, my goodness. He said, Mr. Ron, oh, wow. you never know <laughs> whose eyes God is looking at you out of, and it ain't going to be your preacher or your Sunday school teacher. He said, it might be a fellow that look like me. Now, it ain't me, he said, but it might be a fellow looking like me, God, checking you out see what kind of Christian you really are. <laughs>
0: I don't, I don't know i think did, wow did, did greg kinnear capture all of this in the movie i mean no. i need to see the movie he tried but, so well my goodness that's all good stuff
1: man that is so like we could do 19 yeah. Yeah. podcasts with yeah. one of his stories right i mean
0: i was just thinking there are people who want to quote-unquote help the homeless yeah there's all a debate about should you give money to the homeless how do you best help the homeless what do you say to people when you hear that conversation come up?
2: Well, nowadays? my friend Denver taught me mm-hmm. I don't do we have time to tell a little story. Yeah, maybe, absolutely. Don't? Your stories are great, man. Okay. So um one of the first days that I was walking the streets with Denver after after that day this is like the first week i was going every day mm-hmm. and and he and i he was teaching me i enrolled in the in the university of denver so we were walking the streets i stopped that morning and i took a hundred dollar bill to the bank and i got a hundred one dollar bills so i start uh, walking the streets with him and and by noon we were out of money and uh, i the, the the people that i thought were behaving themselves i'd give two dollars to and the ones that weren't behaving themselves i just give them a dollar and uh So we finally, I'm out of money, and we're standing on Main Street in downtown Fort Worth, and we're walking back kind of toward the mission, but uh, I see this uh, homeless man leaning up against a building, and he looked at me, he was so drunk he couldn't stand up, but, you know, feeling benevolent that day, I, I knew I should stop and at least acknowledge that he was homeless on the street, so... I walked over to him with my buddy, Denver, standing next to me, and I said, Is there anything I can do to help you? And he was trying to reach up and stand up, and he couldn't. He said, Yeah, man, a, a few dollars would be nice. And knowing that I'd given away all my hundreds, I mean, all my, my uh, ones, I pulled out, I looked in my pocket. I did have a $20 bill there, but I stuck it back in my pocket real quick mm-hmm. before nobody could see it. But Denver saw it. So Denver said, Listen, give the man the 20 I said, what are you talking about? I don't want to get him just drunk. That may be injuring his life. If I gave him 20 and he gets drunk, he may die. He said, Mr. Ron, you give the man the 20, and that's between him and God, what he do with it. And I mm. said, okay. So I gave the man the 20. We walk away. About 20 feet away, we're at the curb. It's a red light. And he said, look down at the end of the street now and tell me what you see. I said, I see the courthouse. He said, you sure do. He said, let me tell you something. That courthouse is full of judges, and God ain't looking for no more of them. God is looking (laughs) for servants. So you're going to come down here and serve. Don't be you Leave your judges roaming home. He said, now I'm going to school you on Jose. That man you just judged? His name is Jose and he come here from Mexico and he choose to be homeless so he can send all his money back and take care of a big family in Mexico. He said he was the hardest laying rock man and bricklayer on the streets. He said, but Jose had a stroke and now he can't go to work and he can't move off that sidewalk and he depends on people to take care of him. And, uh, he said, so you judged a man without knowing his heart. And he said, so I ain't going to have nothing to do with you if you come here as a judge. So you just come as a servant. We're going to be fine. We'd be friends. But don't ever judge my people again.
0: Whoa. Wow. So listen,
1: I have never done this before, but I'm going to let you guys know that is the off the cuff moment. Hmm. Period. My goodness. Do not judge a person by the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. You should try to give it a chance too. Boom. My goodness. So
2: we oh. went back. I got Jose an apartment. We got him some medical help. We ended up getting him back to Mexico eventually. But, uh, yeah, you know,
0: he- wow. <clears throat> so, so, you, know you, you ended up giving Denver housing. So when you tell this story, like, so at some point he's off the streets Mm-hmm. But did you all keep going back to the streets? Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. absolutely. That is yeah. awesome, man. Okay. I tell all those stories here yeah. and working well, our way home. You guys got to get the
1: book, Working yeah. Your Way Home, yeah. Working My Way Home. Is it on yeah. audio
2: as well? Working our It's on audio. Yes. Yeah, did you do the reading or
1: somebody you had somebody? No,
2: else we it. have two actors, and actually, the one that, that reads Denver's part sounds just like him. I mean, oh. I listen to it, man, I just tear up because i'm just wow. listening i'm just like i'm back with my friend and i listen wow. to him talking and
1: i uh, am going to get the book i'm an mm-hmm. audio person for sure so kyle if you one of them reader people that's your copy thank you working our way, way home,
2: home. Oh, wait, y'all By y'all, Ron Hall. You got
1: together? while well, y'all say it at the same time? Working, working our, our way, way home. home. Working our way home. Working, working, working last our guest. way <laughs> You got to get a you know, Quran. It's interesting. Yeah.
2: He told me the only reason that he was, and, and of course, he's the one that prophesied that Debbie would would go to heaven. He told me the day it would happen, and it did. He spoke at her funeral, and he stood up and he told. he said, You know, For 25 years, I lived on the streets and nobody ever asked my name. And he said, I was a mean man. I was a bad man. I was full of hell. And he said, but Miss Debbie, she saw through all that anger and confusion. And she saw straight to my heart. And she kept blessing me and blessing me and blessing me. She never gave up on me. Until she finally just bless the hell right out of me! <laughs> <That's> wow, <good. laughs> you heard that? Go that's bless the, the hell that's out to, of somebody. That's, that's take away. Yeah. That's
1: right. Wow! I don't know when this <laughs> when this is going to air, but if it's Christmas, you need to go and bless the hell out of somebody, or uh, if it's New Year's, or if it's today. <laughs> One thing I do want to say with regards to what Ron said, he there's a line that he kept going back to, where you said you had a catch and release meeting. Mm, right. I think it's significant to take that phrase. And look at your current friendships, mm-hmm. and ask what God would have you to do with that relationship. Is it a catch and release situation? Do you need to release it, or do you need to be? Do you need to catch it and hold on to it? And then ask yourself as well, who are you? Are you are you worth keeping? Are you a a, a release relationship where you're not really as valuable as you could be, or are you in a position where you are keepable? Like evaluate those two things and just really ask the question: Like, how am I showing up? Am I really there for them, or am I just there for me? A better answer would be that you're actually there for them and him with a capital H. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. I love you, you guys. Are amazing! It is funny how life works.
3: And there is a phenomenal book out there in audio too. Just funny. Oh, no, no. Works. I want to
1: push this, man. I want everybody. I want everybody that I know to go and okay. get the, I mean, you can, my book is somewhere available. I ain't going to mention it, but, uh, walking our way home or to make working work our work, way home. Yeah. And then you also have, go see the movie, but there's also a book, same kind of different as me. I saw this movie. This dude looks just like my boy, Patrick. <laughs> Remember the dude who got 22 kids from oh, Grand Rapids. Yeah, yeah. You look just like him anyway. Um, get these books and the stories and the understanding that you'll get as a result of it or go see the movie. If you're like me, I'm probably going to watch the movie again because we had this experience today. Mm-hmm. You got so many stories. The story about going to the prison and the hole and all of the... Oh my gosh. We got to have you back on again. This was completely 100% amazing. I appreciate you guys. Go get a copy of this book. Download it. I'm actually going to download it right now on my phone. You guys want to listen and hear me do it? That'll be weird. <laughs> anyway, you guys are out for uh Pacow at Scent Church for Andy as well, and then for my amazing guests. We appreciate you guys. We love you. Deuces.